You are listening to Trophy Horse with your hosts, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. Everybody and welcome to Trophy Wars. This is episode four hundred and thirty-eight. I'm your host, Chicky Mick, alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend. It's Alex. I'll tell you all what. I was brushing up on all the Game Awards trailers that IGN compiled before the show, and uh, well, I I was watching it before the show. IGN didn't compile it before the show. All right, I've gone gone too much here. Uh, but anyway, point is, if I see one more trailer for the Stadia version of Immortals Phoenix Rising, I might snap. Because the bumper for every one of those Game Awards trailers on IGN was Immortals Phoenix Rising for Stadia, and I swear to God, it's burned into my mind. It's telling you to buy a Stadia. I think I said 438 on the intro, by the way. It's 458. Uh, He brings you awesome every week. It's I Yield to No One. I did not watch any of the trailers. Even though I told you to? Even though you told me to. So, this this, this is why we can't have nice So, chat. I watched almost all of the trailers, uh, games that I hadn't heard of, or, you know, new trailers for games I watched. But I'm going to tell you, if there's any indication of, you know, how important, actually, the Game Awards have become, because I know some people still don't take it seriously, because some people will, for some reason, never take Jeff Keighley seriously. But... If there's any sign of how important the Game Awards have become, it's how many trailers they had at this damn show. Because I went, like I said, I went to watch them all before we recorded just to make sure I was up on everything. And there were so many damn trailers. It's like going to a movie and you sit down to watch the trailers and it's an hour. You're sitting there for an hour before you actually get to the movie. You know what? I don't disagree with you, but the what I noticed about the, and this is subjective, the quality of the trailers... He didn't have any real big announcements. Like, it was mostly, like, indie announcements, and there was never, no real big AAA things like we had years ago when they revealed the uh, Arkham games there. Well, didn't they have, like, the Ark 2? Wasn't that the initial trailer for Ark 2, which looked really good, by the way? And didn't they also have a Mass Effect oh, teaser, which was the first thing we've seen from Mass Effect? They also announced that Glenn Schofield, who, you know, one of the creators of Dead Space, is making a new game. So, I mean, they had some big stuff there. They announced Sephiroth was coming to Smash Brothers. I mean, they had stuff there. Yeah, but that's... I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to downgrade it at all. I'm just saying it's... It, it's not like a... An E3-level thing. You would figure, like... Well, it no shouldn't E3 be an E3-level thing. E3 is like a multi-day well, event, and it, it's it's something that, you know, used to be a huge... One of the biggest conventions in the United States. Like, it's, it's a huge consumer convention. Well, this is like, a, what, a two-hour, three-hour television show? A presentation? Do yeah, you know, but to you, recognize people yeah, within the you, game industry? Yeah, but you would figure that with E3 not happening this year, that they would have made this show a little bit bigger. But also, you have a lot of companies doing their own events. I mean, you're not wrong, but... I don't know, I just I'm not like, wrong, but you're going to disagree with me anyway, right? I, I'm going to disagree only because of the fact that I think the first year, two years of him doing this, 
Everybody, like as you said, everybody looked at it as a joke. Nobody really takes Jeff Keighley seriously. But now, after years of establishing himself and actually putting on a good show, now they're not a joke anymore. You would think that you know bigger announcements would happen. Well, not only I that, mean, but uh, well, I mean, here's and, the and thing: I'm not, like, I'm not trying to downplay. Hold on a second, and I'm not trying to downplay the announcements we got. That's not what I'm trying to do at all. I'm just saying you would figure that we'd get that oh shit moment, other than oh okay, that's nice moment. I don't know, yeah, for I'm a lot sorry, of people, Sephiroth and Smash Brothers is an oh shit moment. Some of the reactions on yeah. YouTube that I watched. I mean, I don't know, it's been a weird year, but I think that with how many like trailers they had and how much they, they showed off, you know, new footage of Returnal, which looked, you know, great. And you know, what was that? Oh, um, I mean, they, they made a few game announcements. And yes, it was focused on indie games, but like indie games also deserve their showcase. And if this is a night where, Absolutely. you know, we, we get to see new footage of bigger games, some new information on it, on bigger games, and then, you know, a lot of indie games, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think this is a great platform for them to do that. And, it, you know, if Jeff Keighley and the people working on the show are the ones picking the information that comes out, I think they did a pretty good job. I mean, Tricky, you've always been focused on the AAA games. You've been less, you know, tied to the indie scene, which is fine if that's how you cho choose to play your games, but... You can't be like, this is was an E3, I'm disappointed. Well, no, I, I see, uh, you also brought up, like, Returnal, which uh, I just want to point out that they overused the, the, the words world premiere because Returnal wasn't a world premiere. We already knew about that game, so that's not classified as a world Yeah, premiere. but did it have a gameplay trailer? Was it was the first trailer gameplay? I don't remember. Because they, it was, it was like, it's a PlayStation exclusive, so it's, got, it's coming out in March of next year or something like that, I think. It's coming out springtime next year, but um, I it might have been just a, uh, a teaser trailer they showed. It might have just been a cinematic. I don't know if they showed gameplay before. No. And if Yield it was, if it was the first time we'd seen gameplay, then yes, it is a world premiere. Uh, Yield, I know you didn't watch it. Actually, I know both of you didn't watch it because you guys were doing Rocket League Thursday when it happened. Both of yous. Both of yous. Um, but Yield, uh, well, you said you didn't watch the trailers, but what is your overall opinion of the Game Awards right now? I could care less. I, I I I I was I was invested when it first announced it, and it was a great big joke. And I've tuned out since then. Uh, well, I, I, you know, I I watched... they had they they had they had one chance to hook me, and they failed epically. And since then, I don't give them another look. Well, I I, I would say next year give them another look because while it is okay. It's very fast-paced. It's like, here's an announcement, here's an award. Here's an announcement, here's three awards. And here's an yeah. announcement, here's an announcement, yeah. announcement. They, yeah, no. But now, this year, I give them a pass because of the fact that everything was done remotely. But I did like the fact that when they were doing the big awards, they had everybody on standby on Zoom call, and they zoomed in and let the, the winner do their, uh, their acceptance speech live. So I did like that. But... I, I would say, and I know you're probably you know letting this go in one year, not the other. I would say next yeah, year. Yeah, it's absolutely what I'm doing. I would say next year, honestly, give them a shot, um, and let them uh, let them try to re-impress you. Uh, I just looked up Returnal. Seriously, doubt that's going to happen. Okay, I just looked up Returnal. Uh, the actual release date is March 19th of next year. Uh, and just not clicking on any links or anything. I just looked up the videos. There was an announcement trailer in June, uh, June 11th, and then there was the gameplay trailer, which was two days ago. 
I don't so know. So it was if, a world premiere. I don't know if the announcement trailer showed any gameplay. But if, if I'm if I'm trying to remember correctly, I think it might have only been CGI trailer. So you and might, I, I you might point actually out, be I mean, right. Tricky, you just kind of you were talking to Yield and tell him to give the Game Awards a second chance. I would watch the Game Awards on television if we had cable. I, however, do not. So we mostly just we go the Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus route because there's there's well, at the that point w- there's no need for cable. But well, I, I understand that there are on streams on online that I could look for on YouTube if I wanted to. Yeah, well, the game the game awards aren't on cable anyway. It's all online. Well, well, here's the th- I don't really want to sit at my computer and watch the game awards. Then I want to watch it on the TV. Well, we'll do what I do. I turn on Twitch and then use a, a Chromecast to broadcast it on my TV. You know what? You expect me to use Twitch far like more than I do. <laughs> yeah, for, for the you, one that we joke about being the oldest on the show, or like. You, you use it. You're lucky we use it for Rocket League Thursday. Tricky for for watch being it on the YouTube. one. YouTube. I don't give a fuck what you watch it on. Tricky for being the one that we kayfabe on the show, make fun of being the oldest, even though you're not the oldest. You're the one that's more tech savvy, and Yield and I are like the crotchety old men who, who yeah. basically just want to plug in a video game box and play from there. Yeah, I can't even get yeah. Yield to watch uh, trailers for you know a show that we're doing. Hey, I watch the trailers. I, I, hey, I said yield. Hey, I just I, I just I just scrolled through the list of all those trailers, and there wasn't a single one that sounded any interesting to me. All right, well, we're, let's get into that later in the show. Uh, you know, we've been doing this. Uh, we've been talking for ten minutes now, and we haven't even done our updated trophy counts. I am level six hundred two, total trophies of thirteen thousand six hundred thirty-five, with two hundred forty-nine platinums. I've, I think I got. I don't know when I got the two, but I'm one away. And I'm trying to figure out what I want my 250th platinum to be. Alex? I have been... Oh, wait. We're, we're doing our... I was about to tell you what I've been playing, but jumping ahead there, and uh, I need to get you my trophy count. Sorry. Skip here, skip here. Come on, phone. Work a little faster. All right. I am level 438 still with a total trophy count of 7,105 and a platinum count of 107 in 106 games. Yield? 432... Six eight fifty four on the trophy count and a plat count of one twelve. And Sid is level five eleven with total trophies of ten thousand forty four and one hundred and seventy three platinums. Now, Yield, I'm going to give you a little bit of an out because you told me a little bit thing on the show. Yield is not feeling well, so he's that's why. Uh, no, he's a little grumpy today, but we still love him. Yes. But he's nowhere as grumpy as he is if we start losing in Rocket League Thursday. Well, I was going to say, we didn't have a great night at Rocket League the other night. Is he, oh, is he still feeling the effects God. of that? No, no, no. I was I was sick even then. I'm slightly better now. I, I, unfortunately, I did not watch uh, you guys play Thursday because I was watching the game boards. What? I, I, thought, I heard you were giving oh. a shit. Uh, Homer said you were giving a shit on the Twitch stream. Did I? It, 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 I, to, to be nice, it was a nice dumpster fire. We did not play well. We we had a couple of good games, but oh, uh, I can tell you some news on off off the show or on the show. But I think your argument for not playing competitive in Rocket League might go away. Who am I? For you, yes. Why? Why? Do you want to do it on the show? Or you want to do it off the show? We can do it on the show. I could care less. Okay. So, uh, your argument of not wanting to play competitive 
uh, and I don't want to speak for you, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you said you don't want to play competitive in Rocket League because you don't like getting your teeth kicked in. Correct. Okay. Uh, the bad news for you is that argument holds no weight because in casual play, uh, they imp- they employ skill-based matchmaking. So the better you play, the better the people you play. So you playing competitive or casual doesn't matter. You're still going to play people at your level. So you might as well, well play competitive. That's why we're... No, I'm not playing competitive. Well, here's the thing I, I've said. Because, like, I, because I I'm, played... I, I'm pissed off as it is with people bailing because it's 2 nothing. I'm not going into competitive worse. This is worse. I mean, like, Yield, I'm going to be honest. Like, I've played competitive and casual. Uh, I mean, I know that's not a big sweeping statement because a lot of people have probably dipped their toes in both. But the competition's not really that much different. It's not really that much harder, if harder at all. And it'd be fun to see how how high we can go in level. I I don't consider that fun, but well, see how how against you were about the uh, the field of view changes, the camera shake, and all that stuff, and now it's all working out. So maybe try new things. Yield. No, <laughs> that's why I love you. No. All right, so let's get into what we're playing. Uh, Yield, we'll start off with you. Yield, what have you been playing, sir? Uh, besides Rocket League, um, World of Warships, Legends, and Alexa, uh, turn Fired on Up fan. World War Z, and Just Cause 3. That's Alexa, turn on it. studio. And Alex? Yeah. Played some Rocket League on Thursday with Yield and Homer, as we do every Thursday for our Twitch stream. Uh, also been playing most of the bulk of my time has been going to Crash 4. It's about time. Going back, and I'm on the penultimate dimension, so I'm getting close to the end as far as the story goes. But I've been going back, and I've been trying to do some of the um, the perfect runs through the... Um, oh, God, I can't remember what they call them now. But the perfect runs through the level where you go through the level without dying, and you get all the gems, except for the hidden gem. And uh, just been, try- been trying to collect a lot of the, the collectibles throughout, the- so I don't have to, you know... Get through the story and then go back and play through everything again. I'm kind of just doing that as I'm going before I'm you know beating the story fully. So, uh, give it you know just a few more thoughts on the game. I've been kind of leaving breadcrumbs here and there, uh, you know, except for that one little first flood of information I gave about the game and just my thoughts on it. I really one of the things I really want to shout out to is the the world in the swamp, the Mosquito Marsh, I think it's called, which is kind of Dingo Dial's homeworld. Uh, there's a level in there called Offbeat, which I really really enjoy because it's like New York or New Orleans at Mardi Gras time. There's a lot of music and like parades. There's like giant floats in the background. Like there's a spiral float and then a, a um, oh uh, an evil crash float. There's uh, also a um, a pura the tiger float. So it it's got this big feel of Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras and this big celebration. So it's it's a really cool level. Um, so I mean that just goes into the fact that I really like the level designs for for Crash Four. I really really like the dimensions they chose and kind of there's a lot of variety in those and the themes they went with. So, I mean, just like Crash Crash Warped, like, there's there's a lot of variety, and I just like the themes and the levels they chose. Um, give a shout-out to them, because, uh, you know... Um, oh, shit, let me collect my thoughts here. Oh, one of the things I do want to say, though, is I feel like the game... Uh, I like a lot about the game, but one of the aspects that I don't like is the padding. I feel like with the inverted levels... So, if you don't know, I mentioned before, but... Uh, in, after you beat a, game, uh, a level on normal, then you can do inverted, 
where it just switches it on the uh, the x-axis so right to left uh one really cool thing they do is in, in each dimension they do like different palettes not palette swaps but they do different visual art styles so one for one dimension the inverted levels kind of like graphically they look like you know a kid's coloring book for another one they look like a comic book for another one it's like a, a world completely devoid of color and as you spin and hit boxes and kill enemies like it, it adds splashes of color back to the level so they do a lot of cool stuff visually with that but the inverted levels is just like hey go back to this level flipped on this x-axis and collect all the gems again and find the hidden gem which they do move they they move it's in two different spots from the normal level and the inverted level but it's basically a lot of going through the same challenges just inverted and i feel like you know if you want to do inverted levels like the, the aesthetics of it are really cool uh, but if you want to do inverted, like, don't make me do the same challenges again. Just be like, hey, get through the level and you get, like, a special, like, color gem or something like that. Or you get some special cool relic. Um, I, I just think that'd be way better and it would feel like less padding. Because some of these levels, you know, you play uh, different timelines. So you'll play as Cortex or Dingo Dial as, or, you know, as Tauna. And you basically play through, it's, it's how the levels intersect, the, the timelines of Crash and Dingo Dial and all these characters intersect. So you'll play the first part of the level as Dingo Dial, and then you'll drop into another part of the level playing as Crash, but it's a level you've already played before, and it just shows you how the timelines cross. And then from there, like, the you know, some there's some variations in the level, but for the most part, the layout's the same. So sometimes you'll end up playing through the levels four times, or, as, or certain sections of the level four times, because it's like, hey, you've got to play through on normal... And you gotta play on a different timeline. Oh, then you go through it uh, inverted on the different timeline. Then you go inverted on the normal level. So I just kind of wish with the inverted levels, like I said, aesthetically I really love them, but I, I really wish that they had made different challenges and not just like, hey, collect all like all the boxes. You know, find you know as many uh, the wumpers you collect, like up to eighty percent of the wumpers in the level. I, I just wish it had been like, hey, just play through the level again, appreciate it aesthetically, and then. And by if you get to the end, here's like a cool different relic that's either just like a colored gem or, you know, just some trophy or something. Not like a, a virtual PSN trophy, but just like something within the game to recognize that you beat the level and inverted and just leave it at that. Don't make me do the same challenges over again. Sorry, it's, I know that's a huge spiel, but uh, yeah, I'm still having a lot of fun with Crash. I really like the game. Uh, boss fights are kind of hit and miss, but the level design is is very good, aside from a few levels, like the the one I played last night, Crash Landed. Fuck that level. If you're playing Crash 4, which I believe I saw Mr. Joe Priestley playing Crash 4, if you play in Crash 4 and you come to Crash Landed, please know that you should hate that level with every fiber of your being. But, you know, for the most part, the level design is pretty spot on. All right. And, and you, guys, you guys can wake up now. Thank you. Uh, and I've been playing Division 2, uh, the new season started, so we're going after a, uh, a traitor and our, uh, our president, who also is a traitor, so we're going after him now. Uh, playing some Rocket League a little bit. Uh, dive back into Avengers now that the, uh, Kate Bishop DLC is out. Uh, actually added a couple new missions to the game. I really like her gameplay. I can see, uh, uh, I can see the game improving, uh, but I still, uh, as you know, overall, can't recommend the game just yet. Uh, you clearly didn't take Mark's advice, which is uh, stay the fuck away from that game. I like the game, and I have dived. You just into said you wouldn't recommend it. How I can you say you don't like it, that you like the game, but you wouldn't recommend it? Because I can recognize my taste and other people's taste, and say that it's not for the mass amount of people yet, but it's good enough for me. But I mean, like, if you if. For people who liked a game of that similar style, would you recommend it? Yes. I, I mean, I I would say go play the game. I'm just going off the 
overall, oh, this game is shit, they haven't improved it enough to change your opinion yet. I've always said it was a good game. But with everybody else, you know, saying that, oh, the gameplay is shit, they haven't changed enough to, to, to warrant you to say, hey, come back now. But it is coming. I can see it happening. Uh, and the last game I've, uh, I've dived into the world of Valhalla. Playing a little bit of that Assassin's Creed. Didn't wait for it to go on sale, did you? You finally, I, the, the goddess finally let you buy it full price, right? Well, the funny story is, is that I also want to play uh, um, Immortals Phoenix Rising. So I said to Sweet Mama D, I said, pick one of the two. I'm pick, buying one of them. And she chose Assassin's Creed, so that's why I'm playing. I mean, oh. considering, I mean, hey, here's the thing. If you hadn't bought three PlayStation 5s, you probably could have bought both games. Yeah, but you have to draw the line somewhere. Spend well, the good, good the to know that Immortals Phoenix Rising and Ubisoft won't be getting your support for that game, at least not now, because you had to support Sony with however much money you spent on three PlayStation 5s. <sighs> yeah, let's not get into that, because the goddess is, like, within earshot. Oh, what, she doesn't deserve to be pissed off about that? She doesn't know how much I spent. Well, it's gotta be, it can't be any less than 1200 I don't think she's looking at me, so. Oh, don't worry, I can tell her later. Oh. I can, I can, uh, can message her and, and tell her how much she spent. Yeah, she's looking over here, because she's hearing me talk about her. Yeah, her ears are burning, because she knows there's bullshit afoot with Tricky Mick. She's giving me the evil eye and the finger. The one bird salute. Probably because as you say all of this, you're staring right at her. I so am. she knows that you're full of some shit. Well, you see my studio, so technically I like, I have to move my head to look in between the arches of all the massive screens in my room. So, Jesus. His command center, my the, command the Sony center. command center. You, you've seen the picture. All right, let's move on. Moving on. This portion of the show is brought to you by Amazon. If you could and would, please stop by Proven Gamer First and click on any Amazon link and continue with your normal shopping. It doesn't cost you anything extra and helps out the site tremendously. All right, so our first topic here. Uh, now, granted, some of this news might be a little old because, as you guys know, we didn't record last week. But Neil Druckmann has been named co-president of Naughty Dog. So congratulations to Neil Druckmann. Uh, he is replacing... Oh, God. Now I can't think of the guy's name. Ooh, what's the guy's name? Alex, help me out here. There was there was Evan I, Wells. I mean, I read the, the article. I don't really remember any of the names. I don't know any of the names of the people that work at Naughty Dog except for Evan Wells and Neil Druckmann. Evan Wells was... Christoph something. The name wasn't mentioned in the article, though, of who I, he replaced. I know. I'm... They did mention a couple of the people who moved up in the company to take new positions, but they didn't mention who um, he uh, Druckmann had been replacing. Jason Rubin was a founder of Naughty Dog? You didn't know that? It was Evan Wells and Jason Rubin. I thought it was... The, 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 I'm looking for his name. It's Christoph something. Uh, what the hell was his name? All this research for information that most people who listen to the show do not care about. No, because when when Uncharted came out, it, Evan Wells, God, what? You know what? Google. I, I'm looking on the Wikipedia page right now. I'm just trying to scan. Uh, oh, see, that's your problem. You went to Wikipedia. Well, you figured they would have the founders on there. They do have the founders. 
Jason Rubin and Evan Wells. Oh. You know who I'm talking about. You're just not helping me out here. I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, jeez. Uh, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I don't know who you're talking about. Chris. So, uh, Chris, Christoph, while you're looking, I, I, I will, wait, I will I got vamp. It, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Christoph Balestra. B-A-L-E-S-T-R-A. There you go. Uh, but back to what I was saying. Uh, if, you know, if any of that hatred towards Neil Druckmann and The Last of Us Part Two had died down over the course of, you know, the last, you know, half year since The Last of Us Part Two came out, surely it ramped back up once that game won game of the year. From Spoiler! The game Awards and Neil Druckmann getting... Um, promoted which i'm not saying you know i think neil Druckmann deserves it because obviously he's been at the head or near the top of three of their biggest releases of the last decade the last of us last part two and then of course uncharted four um but yeah i mean it's it's deserved he clearly they trust neil Druckmann. clearly neil Druckmann can just just by the honors that the games he's been ahead of have won, and just by his his portfolio, it's 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 well deserved. So clearly, uh, Evan Wells is not going to trust a position like this to someone who's not capable. All right, Eel, uh, do you want to say anything about this? Nah, I'm kind of on the other side of the coin to a point. I mean, I'm not disappointed that he got promoted, but I'm not a big fan of his. Okay. Uh, but the question. You... This begs the question, though: Will this affect his ability to like? Because obviously, he is supposed to now oversee the studio as a whole. Is he going to be taken off of projects in the future? Is he going to be? Is this going to give other people the opportunity to lead projects? Honestly, I think with the, I uh, would the think last, so. I, I think with the Last of Us two having two extra directors other than Neil Druckmann, even though Neil Druckmann gets you know the credit and all that stuff, there was two other directors. I think that was his. Uh, way of saying, okay, you guys take over the game, I'm going to oversee the whole thing, but there were two other directors on The Last of Us Part Two. So, obviously... Yes, and in, in the article, the IGN article by Matt Kim, trying to find the, the names of the, the two people who helped, because, uh, you know, they... Okay, I got them. Uh, Anthony Newman and Kurt Marginal. Alright, so... Uh, Yield, you say you're not a fan of Neil Druckmann, but are you a fan of Oscar uh, Oscar Isaac? Oscar no. the Grouch? Love Oscar the Grouch. Do you, do you know who Oscar Isaac is? Yes, and I you know, am not as soon a as you fan tell him, actually, I'm surprised he doesn't know who Oscar Isaac is from because... the new trilogy. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we had this debate on uh, Facebook. Uh, I mean, it seems... The, I mean, the there's, there's people in both camps, but... What? No, sequ- you are the incorrect. Sequel- the sequels are better than you the are out now. You you are outnumbered two to one. I will never say that the sequels are better than the prequels because okay. the sequels have absolutely the shittiest storytelling of any of the Star Wars movies. The only the only thing that the prequels are good for is producing the best Sith of all time, and that's Darth Maul. I will. Agree uh, with you you seem that. to forget, and I made this argument, and no one rebuffed me in this argument. Is that Revenge of the Sith is one of the best Star Wars movies ever made. Absolutely is. But I would put trilogy, it top three any like every day of the well, week. Top three, top three of the nine movies, absolutely. But does Revenge of the Sith 
make the prequels better than the sequels? No. Yes, it does. Okay. Yes. So here, here, here's yes, one. I, 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 it's not good. I, it, just, just real quick, I'll. <laughs> so, Revenge of the Sith is the best movie of any of those six. Attack of the Clones is the worst movie of any of those six. I will say that. I agree. So far. Because yes. everything in that movie is bad, except for that big scene where the Jedi's are all fighting together in the arena on Geonosis. That's really cool shit. I, I'm with you as well. Episode one. I like episode one, The Phantom Menace. I will say that now. I understand why people don't like it and how it has not aged well. But at the same time, there are a lot of really good elements within that movie. You know, Darth Maul and Qui-Gon Jinn, as well as young Obi-Wan Kenobi being some of those. But there are a lot of good things about Phantom Menace, despite the fact that people point out that it hasn't aged well. And yes, I would much rather watch The Phantom Menace than The Force Awakens. Because The Force Awakens is just a fucking are you, rehash. Are you smoking some crack? It is a rehash Bro, of episode tricky. 4. It's the rehash it's oh a rehash God. of 4 and 5 and oh even even J.J. Abrams admitted that when he made Force Awakens he was making it to make Star Wars fans fall in love with Star Wars again. That he went back to A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and basically retold those stories. You can sit there and watch that movie and go, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, A New... All of that. The only story that had any kind of a ground, of a good foundation was The Last Jedi. And every time they started to turn the corner to make it a good movie, they filled it with junk. Skywalker... Well, here's the... Rise of Skywalker was the only movie that had the correct pacing. If all three movies had the pacing of Rise of Skywalker, then that would have been a good trilogy. Instead, they See, took I will, I, there's one to figure out what they were doing. Yo, know, there is one Go thing ahead, I will disagree now. with you about. I thought the pacing of, of the of, of uh, Rise of Skywalker was terrible because it was so fast paced. It's breakneck pace. They had to try to do too much in that amount of time. I, I I do agree that Rise of Skywalker was a little fast paced because they were trying to wrap up everything. But no, I mean, like, well, okay, as we're as we're never going to agree whole, about this. Yeah, their, their, their storytelling is horrible. The man, They okay. should have let John Favreau do the new movies because what he's doing with The Mandalorian trumps anything the sequel trilogy tried to do. Yeah, but doing our episodes is a lot different from doing a movie. Now, I'm not taking away from Favreau because Favreau was the director of the Iron Man movies and I absolutely love those, so... Well, also, let's not take away from Dave Filoni and everybody else involved with that project, too. Right. I mean, there, I mean, I mean, there are a lot of people who are, you know, writing episodes of The Mandalorian, directing episodes. Um, yes, Favreau and Filoni are like executive producers, but there's a lot of people involved, and they're all doing really, really good work, including the actors. Uh, Mandalorian is fantastic. It's one of the best pieces of Star Wars media, uh, or like okay, okay, best okay. Star Wars stories out there. I think you could pick a lot of holes in the movies. Um, but as far as Mandalorian goes, it's really solid. So, yeah, right. I mean, it's... All right, let's get back, let's get back on topic here, because this is a long way to go for a Star Wars reference in a video game podcast. So, Oscar Isaac obviously played Poe Damien in the new sequel movies, Star Wars sequel movies, but he's reportedly cast to play Solid Snake in the new Metal Gear movie. I hope he does. Which is fine. Job. I like, I like Oscar Isaac, um... One thing they did mention in the IGN article, which you didn't reference, Tricky. I, I didn't get the year because I was waiting for you guys. Never mind. Okay, it's written. So yes, it's, in it's an, an article, article written by written Matt, also Matt written by Matt Kim. Go ahead. On IGN.com. 
He did fail to mention that Oscar Isaac was also Apocalypse in the new X-Men movies. Uh, is he? Yes. Okay, didn't know. But, uh, I mean, obviously does a really good job as Poe Dameron in the, the new Star Wars uh, trilogy. So, I mean, I like Poe Dameron. I, well, I like Oscar Isaac as an actor. I think he's done, you know, good work. I don't think we've seen, like, a masterpiece job from him or, like, something that you look at and it's, like, a career-defining role. But, you know, I think he's a good choice for Solid Snake. And, and, and at least getting someone like that attached, I think, as it mentions here in the article, is kind of, like, shows that Sony Pictures is finally serious about this. Is it Sony Pictures making it? That's who it references in the article. Okay. I didn't actually read the article. I just read the headline because I figured this would be a pass topic. All right, so the this next... is a passive topic. It's one of your favorite video game series of all time, and you you can't. You know, I know, like... right? Well, I he love Metal Gear, but neither one of you guys like Metal Gear. No, because neither one of you guys That's like Metal true. Gear. So I figured it was a... That's not true. I just gave up after the second one. <laughs> so dang. All right. Uh, speaking of not giving up, PAX seemingly is not giving up on 2021. They have revealed convention dates. Uh, if the pandemic is, you know, allowing them to have it. Uh, PAX East is moving from late March, early April to June 3rd to the 6th of 2021, which I find interesting because if E3 happens, it is literally the week before E3. PAX West is scheduled to happen September 6th. I'm uh, sorry, September 3rd through the 6th. PAX Australia has not have announced their dates, but PAX Unplugged, based in Philly, which is one of the GameStop's favorite conventions to go to, is scheduled for December 10th through the 12th. Uh, so my question to you, gentlemen, and we don't have to stay long on this, but is this a little too optimistic of PAX to be scheduling these dates, or is this... Because uh, I've seen somebody say it's, re- it's really insensitive by PAX to announce these dates uh, going through what we're going through with the pandemic. Well, I mean, we're, we are talking about distribution of a vaccine at this point. So, I mean, they did a couple notes. PAX East has been, you know, June 3rd to the 6th, which is about, what, three or two or three months after it's normally it's, yeah, scheduled? It's three months no, after it's normally happening, yeah. Yeah, it usually happens around Easter, just before Easter. You know, PAX West happen, is happening around the same time. PAX Unplugged December, which I think is usually, yeah, isn't that's that usually around the, ta- the same time? Yeah, so the only uh, thing that's really changed is that PAX East has moved further back, and PAX South is, is not being scheduled for next year, but they plan to schedule it for tw- 2022. Right. I mean, I, I don't think there's any problem with being optimistic. I, I, I don't think it's really disrespectful. to, t- to any, It's like, hey, this is a hard line. We're doing this. I mean, we are talking about distribution of a vaccine, and I, I, I you know, at some point, we, you know, I, when it's safe, I don't, I'm not trying to downplay anything. When it's safe and when we have finally gotten this virus under control, I don't think it's it's wrong to set tentative dates in the future. I mean, we're still talking, what, six months out from this? So, I mean, right I, now, I don't think they're months, being yeah. disrespectful. I don't think they're being insensitive. But I think that they have to be also be prepared to cancel this if we still don't have this under control. And for some reason, the vaccine, which has shown high efficacy, it's, you know, if for some reason there's a turn somewhere that we don't foresee, then yes, they may have to cancel it. But I, I don't don't think it's wrong to to tentatively schedule it for for next year. Well, uh, Matt Adler, because uh, this article called, article wrote this article wrote wrote this article wrote this article for IGN uh, and says that Pac says if things don't improve by next summer, they will cancel the shows or convert them to the digital experience, similar to the Pax Online that took place earlier this year. 
So, Yield, uh, what are your thoughts yes. on this whole pack situation, sir? I, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with going ahead and planning as if everything's going to be okie-dokie. I don't think it will. I, I am, a, I am a, a skeptic when it comes to the first run of vaccinations that are being rushed out the door. Um, but I, the people saying that it's insensitive, it's not insensitive. They're a business like any other, and they're planning as if we're going to have these next year. And they've already announced that, it, well, if we can't, then we're going to go with plan B or C. So I, I, don't, I see nothing wrong with this. Well, and also, by them announcing these dates, it gives developers and publishers and platform holders an opportunity to plan ahead to what, you know, they may show. You know, they have a video game in the works. Hey, you know, this is when PAX is going to be next year. That lines up perfectly for our roadmap for this game. We can show it then. So it allows people to plan ahead, you know, even if it's just a digital version, di like a digital uh, version of the, the show. All right. Uh, people planning to play Scott Pilgrim vs. the World re uh the re-release are going to have to wait a little bit longer because they, it's been delayed back to January 14th of next year. So not too much longer, but you'll be able to play your Scott Pilgrim soon. So I'm, you know, if you didn't play this the first time around, like play, play it. <laughs> I get why you might be looking forward to this, but I played it and I had fun with the game. Like the art style was really cool. The the soundtrack by Anamanaguchi was amazing. I still listen to some of those songs today. Like I I bought or I downloaded or bought them, uh, and uh, I still I, I still listen to those to this day. It it's a very it's a it's a good adaptation of the 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 book series, but I don't understand why so many people are so fucking excited about this game to come back out after it was came out in two thousand ten, and then was taken down probably for licensing reasons, and then now is coming back in twenty twenty one. The same game, you know, it's gonna have the, it's gonna be the complete edition, so you're gonna get the two DLCs, uh, the DLC characters added in there. I just don't understand why people are so damn excited about this game anymore. I, I don't either. I, I mean, I I like the movie. Uh, I did play the game. I like the game, but yeah, I don't know what the hype is for this. I mean, if you miss if you missed it and you like side scrolling beat 'em ups, then I think you should definitely play this. Or you know, if for some reason you're just a new Scott Pilgrim fan and you never had the opportunity to play it, then yeah, you should definitely play it. Like I said, great visuals, fun gameplay, killer soundtrack. But for anyone who had the opportunity to play this before, there's no reason to be excited. All right. Especially with the, how big of a deal Ubisoft made of it at the press conference. Like, this is like a press release kind of thing or like, you know, I, I just don't think it's such a big deal. All right. So the next article is coming from IGN and is written by Matt Perslow. I'm going to read... Uh, most of this article, so please go give a click to this this article. Uh, uh, and the reason I'm going to read this is because there's a lot of information here and I don't want to miss out on anything. Uh, Sony made the PlayStation activity cards as a response to single-player problems. Uh, now, if you gentlemen remember when they showed off the UI for the PlayStation 5, uh, they had those little cards at the bottom that showed you where you were and you know how close you were to a trophy and if you needed it there was like a little tro a video to show you what to do you guys remember all that right yeah okay so those are called activity cards uh so just you know referenced so you guys know what we're talking about uh the article reads the activity cards that appear as part of the PlayStation 5 user interface were created by Sony in response to player complaints about single player gaming 
A new report from Vice details an internal Sony document that the company used to explain its new activities and game help systems. This document reportedly begins with Sony explaining that, quote, single player is thriving, end quote, and that PlayStation owners regularly spend more time off playing offline games than online games. To ensure offline games were better catered to, Sony had gathered some criticism from the, of the single-player gaming, which needed to be addressed on the PlayStation 5. The problems include players saying they, quote, don't play unless they have two or, or more hours free to play, end quote, because of being unsure how long game may, uh, a game may ask of them that they, quote, forget what I was doing in this game last time, end quote, and that it, quote, takes a lot, lot of time to scan through long help, help videos when stuck, end quote. Players were concerned about using social tools because of game spoilers. In response, the document presents PlayStation 5 activity cards. As you know, activities provide on-screen card prompts for different aspects of the game, often along with estimated time for completion. When playing Spider-Man Miles Morales, for example, you can see that a side quest will take 5 minutes or a main quest that may take 45 minutes. These cards then take you directly to those activities. Mm. So... Can you turn them off? No, you cannot turn them off. But oh, then that's a... absolutely worthless. Go ahead. No, that's, that's no, absolutely worthless if you can't turn them off. Because I don't want that stuff popping up when I'm playing a game. Well, no, no, no. Not, let's be clear. It doesn't pop up as you're playing the game. It pop, Those cards pop up when you hit the PlayStation button. It does. It, it if you're playing the game, those cards do not pop up at all. It only pops up when you actually hit the PlayStation button, and then it's at the bottom of the screen. So, like, when you turn on your PlayStation Five, like, okay, right now, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla on my PlayStation Five. Just for whatever reason, two months down the line, I have not played the game in two months. When I turn on my PlayStation Five and I start up Assassin's Creed Valhalla, a card will pop up and tell me where I am and what I'm doing to re as a reference in there to say, okay, I haven't played this game in two months. I forgot what I'm actually doing. Then the card pops up and says, I'm in this main story activity and this is my objective. It doesn't. And then if I click it, then it tells me how, you know, what I need to do, or I could just go straight into the game. I don't have to click on the card. Okay. So it's well, not, that, that doesn't it's, seem too bad, but I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't mind it, but I want to be able to turn it on and off. I don't want it to always be there, but that but that's me. I, I I think a lot of this is just is just gamers being lazy. I mean, I can see and that, that too. That's just my but opinion. I, I mean, and, and I like I like I said, I don't disagree with that. But this these are actually helpful, and I I, I was I was kind of like on the same boat with you a little bit. I mean, I didn't fully agree with you, I, like. I was interested in what they could do, and now, now as I play the PlayStation 5 and I see what the cards do, what I do like about the card, though, is it brings you straight to an activity. So, let's say that I'm, uh, I don't know, I, I want to use some generic games so I don't spoil anything. All right, remember back in the old uh, so Spider-Man games? Complete some the... Do you want to, I was going to say, you want to complete remember? some generic side quest, you could hit the card and go right there. Right, it, it brings me straight there, and then there's a card that brings me back to exactly where I was before. So I could jump ah, out, gotcha. go do that, and then I can go right back to where I was. I mean, to the exact spot, not like a you know a predetermined checkpoint. It holds that position in the game, so I can go back, do that arbitrary side quest, 
or a collectible, whatever it needs. And then when I'm done, I go click the other card, and it brings me exactly back to where I was before. So I mean, gotcha. Now that could I, be I think useful. that Sony's reasoning behind these these activity cards is good. I think it's solid. Not everyone consumes games the way we do. I mean, we generally play every day. Some people, you know, I, I talked to some people who like playing games, but maybe they have multiple kids who they don't really get a, a ton of time to play games, or maybe, you know, their career prevents them, or some of their outside activities prevent them from, from playing a lot of games. So maybe they play a few times a week. So, I mean, maybe maybe something like the activity cards is really helpful for them, allowing them to remember what they were doing within a game, or if you bounce back and forth between games, like, it can be really helpful for that, because, you know, I play one game... Or, you know, maybe sometimes two at a time. But generally, I'll play one game, beat it, then move on to the next game. Not everyone does that. Sometimes play people play multiple games. So I can see how it can be helpful. And just in general, letting people know how much time they have to, you know, complete a quest. I mean, I there have been times when I've been playing a game, and I had, you know, something coming up. Like, you know, we had to record. Or, you know, dinner was coming up or something like that. Or, you know, I we were leaving to, to run an errand. Or there was some deadline that I had to hit or something. And I was in the middle of playing a game, and it would have been nice to know, like, hey, if you're going to play this level, here's how much time you, you know, you might need to finish this level. I don't know. Like, some of those can be helpful. It seems like really, like, it doesn't seem like super vital information. At the same time, though, I th see how it could be helpful for, you know, pretty much anyone who plays the PlayStation 5. And it's clear that Sony used, like, its internal data and just wasn't, you know, doing this half-cocked or, you know, they're just like, oh, hey, this these will be cool. These will be aesthetically pleasing. Clearly, they serve a function that's, that Sony has seen and looked at. I, I Like I said, I like them. I, I think they're very useful. So, But I, I, I thought this would be an interesting topic to talk about because when we first looked at those cards, you were just like, oh, why the fuck are they doing that? Didn't use those words. Well, no, I, I, said, I said some things were interesting, like, like the trophy one would be interesting, like when you're going through what I call the punch list of a platinum. And I need to get this one, this one, and this one. Okay, so oh, that's or th this is how you hint to do it. Okay, I I, I appreciate that. But when I'm See, first I... playing the game, I don't want I don't want those hints because to me it takes away from the game because then okay, I'm more on, worried up about my achievements and stuff other than I am experiencing the game. Okay, and, uh, but uh, one thing I don't I don't know if you caught me saying this before, but there's an actual option inside of your sentence on the PlayStation Five where you can check no spoilers, and the system recognizes whether or not you've seen a certain aspect of the game already, and it will not spoil the game for you. So, like, if you're going through like, an arbitrary checklist of hey, like, collect a thousand newspapers. And it will only show you the newspapers of the spots you've seen before. It will not jump ahead in the story and say, okay, there's going to be a newspaper in this spot. It only recognizes what you've played and will only show you stuff that you've already done so you don't actually spoil anything for yourself. That is one thing the article mentioned was that it, it, it is a way that developers for Sony can, you know, people talk about getting frustrated having to, you know, go to a computer or go to their phone to look up a walkthrough or something and then maybe potentially hitting spoilers along the way. This is a way to prevent that, to where they can lock that out, to where you have something that Sony can show you. It's like, hey, you need help with this? Here it is right here on this same console and TV that you're playing on, and you don't got to worry about stumbling upon any story beats you don't really want to see. Which, which I really like. 
All right. Yeah, I mean, I think they have good reasoning for implementing all of this, regardless of if they seem like big, humongous changes that everyone expects to see within a console generation. And yield or tricky. Let's be honest. We know yield. Give plug in his his PlayStation. <laughs> give him a controller. Give him a DualShock. And give him his up. XMB and just let him go. Yeah. All right. Let let's... me be. All right, we, we have three topics of the week. Uh, you'll just worry that it's going to be really long. It's not going to be long, but uh, we're going to listen to this ad, then we're going to come back, and we're going to get into our topics. If you're looking for additional ways to support us, you can always stop by our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash gamer. No matter what tier you decide to support us at, know that it helps pay the bills and is greatly appreciated. And it's the only way to get the newest podcast, Tricky Thoughts where Tricky sits down and discusses current events, social issues, and much more. All right. So a majority of our topics, or excuse me, all three topics are going to be uh, Game Awards-based. But the first time we're going to go through, the first topic we're going to go through, I can't speak this week, uh, is all of the trailers. I'm not going to talk about every single game. I'm just going to announce what uh, say what was announced. If you guys want to stop and talk about it, have a conversation, uh, this is mostly going to be for Alex because Alex actually watched these trailers. Uh, but there's well, one. You game... watched the trailers, didn't you? Uh, well, yes, I did. Uh, but there's one game that I'm surprised that uh, Yield has not mentioned yet because I thought about tweeting you guys during or texting you guys during Rockley Thursday to tell you it was announced. Uh, so let's go through the games real quick. Uh, the Devolver Digital announced Goop Hero. It's a hold on, hold on. Before you go any further, this list was compiled. <laughs> on IGN.com by Felicia Miranda. Okay, yes. All right, so Loop Hero is a deck-building roguelite from Four Quarters uh, called Loop Hero. Uh, again, if you're interested, go check out the trailers. I'm not really going to go into it. I'm just going to announce uh, what IGN and uh, I forgot her name. Felicia says uh, about East Thing. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Tashia? Chia. Chia? Chia. Okay. Is a... A game that looks to be bright and colorful open world island adventure. Uh, sea of Solitude is coming to the Nintendo Switch to get the director's cut. Uh, that game looks really cool. I like the whole visual, like of the monsters, and just kind of like the whole fight your demons aspect of it. So that that game does look really cool. Did Did you play it yet? No, I haven't played it yet. I didn't even know. Like this is the first time I've ever seen it. You didn't know Sea of Solitude was out already? No, I didn't. No, he's talking. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, just for clarification, CSL 2 has already been out on PlayStation and Xbox, I believe. Uh, yes, this is, this is Director's yeah, Cut, and it's prepared. coming to the Switch. It's an exclusive for the Switch. The Director's Cut Co- is... Correct. Uh, Focus Home Interactive revealed Shady Part of Me, uh, featuring a stunning dark watercolor graphics and dreamy atmosphere. Shady Part of Me is available on the PC, Steam, and Epic Game Stores, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. My first, when I first uh, saw this, a screenshot from that game, it, it kind of reminds you of Limbo, doesn't it? Kind of, yeah. It really did. Uh, near replicate uh, version, I'm not reading all those numbers. Uh, it's an updated... 1.22474487139. Uh, you just had to get involved in it, you did you? <laughs> I did, yes. Uh, it's an updated version of Near Replicate, uh, and it's now available for pre-order. It's due to launch April 23rd. I've never played Nier, but uh, that game looks fucking nuts. Uh, Nier, I believe, and uh, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. Nier, I think, is the game that we talked about where you could literally buy the Platinum. So, 
Uh, next game, Century Age of Ashes has been revealed. It's a mid medieval fantasy game. Uh, was showed off gameplay where you ride dragons and engage in PvP combat, and scheduled to come in February. You know what game this game reminds me of? Which game is that? So when I was watching this trailer, I was like, hopefully this is the game that we we wanted when they gave us Lair. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> Because, I mean, like, you watch the trailer and a lot of it is dragon riding. Yes, it is. Oh, poor Factor 5. All right. Uh, as Alice alluded to earlier in the show, uh, Sephiroth, Sephiroth announces new Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Fighter. Yes. Yeah, um, uh, which I think is great. It's, it's kind of unexpected because Square Enix... Like, I think when Cloud came out as a DLC character for the for Smash 4, I think they didn't really give them access, Nintendo, they didn't give Nintendo access to a lot of the soundtrack. So I think it's kind of always been thought that Square Enix was, you know, not, wasn't the easiest to deal with. They're very, still very protective of their property, regardless of what they let people use. So this was a little bit of a surprise. Also, it's nice to have Sephiroth in there because he's a badass villain. He's like a much heralded villain, like... And it helps balance out Super Smash. So there's a lot of hero characters, not a lot of villains. So this helps balance it out between the heroes and the villains, just just a little bit more. So I All think right. Sephiroth is a great choice. And Clyde wasn't a uh, downloadable character; he was the original cast. Oh, he was. Yes. Okay. Uh, we got a. Wait, seven- hold on. He got a he had a reveal trailer though. Yeah, he was. I, part- okay, I could be. I, I have to. Maybe I'll look that up, but... Um, we got Well, we got a reveal trailer of all the things that he's, uh when. Wait, are you uh, talking about for Smash Ultimate? Yes, I'm talking for Smash Four. Cra- or Cloud was came in before Smash Ultimate. Okay, then maybe I misheard you. I thought you. Yes, he I, I thought... for Smash Ultimate. Yes, he was. You didn't have to pay for him. He was originally on the game cartridge, right? Or Which on is the what download. I you said. But I. Th- but he was introduced in Smash Four, and I'm pretty sure he was a downloadable character. He well, was that, released that, post-launch. That may be true. I thought you were saying he was a uh, DLC character for Ultimate. No. So maybe I misheard you. Okay. Uh, next thing we have is a cinematic trailer for a new, for a new Perfect Dark. Uh, if you guys are fans of uh, Perfect Dark, go check that out. Much beloved games. It's nice to see. I, I'm assuming this is going to be. I mean, this has to be uh, coming from the studio with the initiative. But so, Rare owns Perfect Dark. Yes, don't they? they? Do. Yes. Yes. So this would have to be an ex potentially an Xbox exclusive. Well, not necessarily because uh, Phil. Spencer, Don't give me that's also on the PC crap. It's still exclusive. No, it's no, on the PC too. No, Phil. What I was gonna say is Phil Spencer has said that uh, just because they're Xbox exclusive studios does not mean they're going to make Xbox exclusive games. And some of their games will come to the PlayStation as well. Although well, he has ho- hopefully for everyone who who grew up playing Perfect Dark, this comes to as many platforms as possible because. I mean, yes, it is easy to make a really cool trailer and then sell uh, a half-ass game, but trailer looks good, and especially that last visual with Joanna Dark looking out over the uh, the, the cityscape there, and it looks like, it, I mean, pyramids. I don't know if this is in Egypt or not, or if pyramids were part of the story before, but definitely a cool shot to end on. And and a, a much beloved franchise that has, has plenty of time to kind of lie in wait for people to kind of be like, you know what would be a great game to come back to see again? Perfect Dark. You know, I, I just Googled uh, the new Perfect Dark trailer just to see if they were listening to PlayStation 5 or anything on there. And I love fanboys because they said uh, Perfect Dark is back. Here's a first look from the highly anticipated debut from Microsoft's Quadruple A Studio. 
All right. So what, what else has the initiative made then? Uh, see, just so me feel because I was moving on. Well, I was gonna say, like, if you're gonna call yourself a, a, a quadruple A studio, you've got to have something like The Last of Us in your in your quadruple your tank there. Quadruple A. All right, there so the, a better than all right, the let's, let's just go ahead. The next game uh, coming from the creators from Left 4 Dead, Back 4 Blood has been revealed. It's a first-person zombie shooter with co-op, and it's launching in June. And it couch should be said that... Uh, it does not say couch co-op, it just says co-op. Fail. So, I mean, it, it has to be said that towards the end of the trailer, when all the four protagonists, which... If you if you watch the end, they're being surrounded by zombies, and it's just like they are fucked. But one thing they do highlight is the configuration they're all standing in in a group is it highlights a four. So you would have to assume, and I don't know if it's been confirmed yet, but you have to assume that this is just basically Left for Dead four, even if it's called Back for Blood, because I mean Back for Blood signifies a return to an old game. The four. Uh, configuration at the end that they even highlighted in red, and the fact that it's four protagonists, which hey, the other Left 4 Dead's had to. Alright, the next game we have is Hood's Outlaws and Legends release date has been announced. It is coming out on May 10th uh, for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PS5, Series X, and PC, and if you pre-order it, you'll get early access three days early. Is this just Assassin's Creed with Robin Hood? Uh, I actually don't remember seeing this during the, uh, the thing, so I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I read a thing on the PlayStation blog, and it's basically a different take on Robin. An Hood. alternate history, kind of like up. Resistance was. In in a sense, they were saying if you go back and you look at all the stories of Robin Hood, that Robin Hood actually started out as more of an outlaw than the hero that the stories pertain him to. So this is kind of their own take with a little bit of history tied in with Robin Hood and how Robin Hood is like a dreaded pirate Roberts in the sense of there is always going to be a Robin Hood. There is a successor. So in this game, the hood has died and there isn't a successor. So there are these two groups of outlaws and they're each trying to pull the best heists to claim their stake on as I am hood. And then, and then, so that's kind of how the game is based around, and it's it's an online game. I once I found that it was online, I was like, ah, oh, I'm done. All right. Uh, speaking of online games, a free to play action shooter called Scavengers opened up their beta. If you want to go uh, play that, it, there's a PC beta going on right now. Forza is getting a crossover with Cyberpunk 2077, which you'll be able to get the vehicle from the game. Uh, that's available now in uh, Forza. The Callisto pro- Protocol has been announced. Uh, I saw somewhere else that this is actually in the PUBG universe uh, several decades in the future of that game. Uh, that is coming to the Series X, PlayStation 5, and PC. And that is the Glenn Schofield game that I... Uh, the creator of Dead Space, Glenn Schofield. That is the game that I referred to earlier. Uh, Warhammer 40,000... Dark Tide, we got some of the gameplay has been revealed. It's an upcoming four-player co-op game. Uh, before you ask, Yield, you, I do not know if it's couch co-op. Oh, epic fail if it's not. Uh, another game from Fulbright and Annapurna Interactive, Open Roads, was announced. 
We saw a quick trailer of a mother and a daughter taking a road trip. Disco Elysium Final Cut has been announced. A free upgrade to Disco Elysium dubbed as the Final Cut is coming to consoles in 21. The Final Cut upgrade will have voiceover for every line and new quest. Uh, if you guys don't remember Disco Elysium, they were the game that won the most awards in last year's Game Awards. BioWare finally gave us a new look at Dragon Age 4, although they didn't call it Dragon Age 4, they just called it Dragon Age. It looks to uh, confirm the return of some fan favorite characters. Uh, Endless Dungeon was also announced. It's a rogue-like tactical game and spiritual successor to Endless Endless Dungeon, and is coming to consoles and PC. This was the second roguelite that they uh, they highlighted at the show. Which I mean, based on the success of Hades, you've got to you know it's it's nice to see that that genre is still alive and well. Can I say I never even heard of Hades until the nominees were announced? Well, you made that point last week. Or when we or the week before when we recorded with Steven. I, yeah, everybody is loving this game. I honestly, and I'm not being disrespectful. I never heard of the game until the nominees. Now, well, see, that is their game of the year. That is the importance of something like the Game Awards highlighting indie games because it, it's a, it's apparently a huge game, and, and like Joe from Game Stuff talks about it very lovingly. It's you know, and and I've seen other people in the Trophy Horse chat like talk about it, you know, with with a lot of praise. A game like that, without that kind of spotlight, maybe isn't doesn't blow up like it should, and maybe doesn't get the credit it deserves. So just another reason, like, you know, hey, yield, nudge, nudge, maybe, maybe just kind of give the game awards a second chance. By his silence speaks volumes. <laughs> Crimson Desert uh, was also showed. We saw a first gameplay trailer. Uh, it's an open world action adventure game set to launch in 2021 for PC and consoles. Kind of looks so, interesting. When I was watching the game trailer for this game, like it looks really cool and it looks like they put a ton of money into this. But this is one of those games I look at and I'm like, I don't care how good this looks. I cannot give a shit about this game because it looks so much like so many other games that have been, you know, released recently. Uh, what, uh, speaking of something getting released, the Swedish chef from the Muffets is now available on Overcooked as a playable chef. Yeah, I've got a Swedish chef Christmas morning on my tree right now, so... Uh... There's nothing wrong with the Swedish chef. I approve. Uh, a indie game coming from Scavenger Studios and featuring some studio visuals called Season was announced for the PlayStation 5. Uh, go check out that trailer. Call of Duty Tricky, Black you Ops. missed the, the part there where it says the Studio Ghibli-like visuals. I, I actually skipped over that because I didn't know if I could say that properly. <laughs> so you just made an incomplete sentence that didn't I, make sense? You, you don't know that I do that normally? <laughs> well, I'll uh, try to cover your tracks there. I'll try to cover the retard the potholes in your road you're, you're paving here. Call of Duty Black Ops Warzone got a season one trailer. They're combining stuff from Cold War and the other Cold, uh, Cold, Call of Duty games. Uh, and you're going to get a new map called Rebirth Island. Arc 2 was announced. Uh, it was with a trailer featuring Vin Diesel and two tribes going head to head as they barely escaped the hungry jaws of a T Rex. Arc, the anime series, was also announced and featured an or origin story based on the game. Go watch this trailer. If you if if you all are fans of, and I'm not talking to Tricky or Yield, I'm talking to the listeners. Listeners, if you all are fans of action adventure games or just action games in general, and you didn't see this, go watch the Arc Two trailer because it's really fucking good, and that game looks really really good. 
at least visually. We don't know about the, the gameplay, really, but visually, it, they put together a really spectacular trailer. Yields, a favorite game, got a Season 3 trailer. Four guys showing off some of their new stuff. Oh, boy. Uh, in the words of the great Donnie D, can you be more enthusiastic? No, no. I, I You know, I ain't even played the game since they went to Season 2. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, I, a matter of fact, the other day I was thinking about deleting it off my system. Don't do that. We have to get a full guys uh, community night. Uh, Outriders has gotten a new trailer. Uh, Square Enix and People Can Fly three-player co-op shooter set in a quote desperate sci-fi universe was showing off. It's due to arrive on February second for the P- PlayStation Four, Five, Xbox One. And Series X and PC. One thing I do want to point out about this game that I really liked is it seems to... I mean, there's a lot of co-op shooters out there, especially ones you can play online. But I really like the aspect that it's it, they're going to focus on showing you, like, making you feel more powerful and want to be more aggressive. Because during the, the trailer, they made fun of people for using cover. So, like, you know how many games have t- cover mechanics? This game's like, well, you can use cover, but you're basically a huge wuss if you do. So I like that there. it's basically like, hey, get in the fight... And, you know, be aggressive. Oh, and Yield, here is the game that I believe Tricky was referring to earlier when he <laughs> says that you should want to play this. Are you ready, Yield? Are you sitting down? I'm already seeing it. Oh, well, that's so fun. Evil Dead... The- well, you shouldn't have told me to scroll through it. <laughs> Evil Dead, the game has been announced. The horror franchise Evil Dead is coming to game platforms. The trailer featured four different playable characters taking on supernatural monsters in the woods. Yield... This is the reason why you should have watched the the Game Awards. Okay, now my question is: Is Bruce Campbell the vo- is a voice actor in here? Yes, he is. Okay, because if not, then it's an epic fail and an absolute waste of time. But now that Bruce Campbell's in it, it has piqued my interest. Did, are you gonna watch this trailer now? Oh, I don't know. I might. I'm gonna watch that other one when we're done because Alex said to watch the art trailer. Yeah, the arc trailer is really good. Uh, what's also good is Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection has been announced for the PlayStation. Oh, for the PlayStation. For the Nintendo Switch. Uh, it's coming on February 25th. Uh, <laughs> you know, for the. Not the PlayStation, the other PlayStation. Uh, <laughs> I, just, you know, it's nice that this is coming back out because now that we have saves and checkpoints and stuff, maybe people will actually be able to beat this game. You know, they say the same thing for Battletoads. Well, I heard the new Battletoads isn't that great. Wasn't it Andy who came on here and said the new Battletoads was okay but not great? I thought he actually said it was dog shit. But yeah, I mean, Ghosts and Goblins is notoriously hard, and if this gives people the opportunity to go through and actually finally beat the game, that's pretty cool. Uh, As Yield... As Yield... I can't speak today. As Alex pointed out earlier, we have a gameplay trailer for Returnal, uh, and it's coming out March 19th. Uh, it takes two first gameplay trailer has been revealed. This is uh same studio that gave us a way out from Hazelight. Uh it's a two player game that you have to play similar to a way out. Uh and it was also announced that if you buy one copy, you get a copy to give away to a friend. Uh that is set to launch on March twenty sixth. Super Meat Boy Forever has a release date. Uh it's coming to the Epic Game Store on December twenty third. Uh, Oddworld Soulstorm is coming in 2021. We have a new trailer from that. 
Uh, it is coming to the PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and the Epic Game Store as launch platforms. The Elder Scrolls Online Gates of Oblivion was announced. It is scheduled to come out on January 21st. Or, excuse me, a reveal event is scheduled for uh, January 21st. We have a new trailer for Monster Hunter Rise and upcoming demo has been announced for the Nintendo Switch. Among Us is getting a new map. Master Chief is coming to Fortnite. It is also worth Oh, noting. Yield's logging in tonight. It is, yeah. it is also worth noting that uh, Kratos was also announced and is currently available for Fortnite. And The Walking Dead's Daryl and Michonne are also getting added. Uh, as you listen to this, they are released. Uh, they are all the skins are available for a, a total of fifteen hundred V bucks, which is essentially fifteen dollars. That's nothing. But it is also worth noting that you could earn V bucks in the game if you own the uh, season pass and or I, I I forget what they call the new subscription model. Still fifteen bucks for a skin. Hey, okay. yield Rocket you, League is charging. That's where. Psionics and Rocket League are charging twenty-two bucks for a goal score. Well, and, and and I will still say that's where two fools met: one for asking and one for buying. Uh, it is also worth noting, and I'm not trying to justify this, but for the fifteen hundred dollars, you not only get the skin, but you get their glider, their pickaxe, and and some other stuff. So it's not just the that, the character but, itself. But, but that's all part of the character, though. Still, wait, wait, bucks wait, for tricky. That? What, what did you say? What was that whole spiel again? All that stuff we get in addition? Uh, it is the glider, their pickaxe, the skin, and oh, actually, let me, let me, uh, let me just Google this. Fortnite skin. Uh, I want to make sure I get this right. Uh... Trying to look. Uh, uh, and the backpack you get, uh, which is actually, um, what the hell is his name? The talking head. Alex, help me. Mimer? I don't know shit about Fortnite. No. Max Headroom? In, in God of War, what was the talking head's name? Oh, God. Mimer? Well, see, so you didn't say. God no, I can't remember. His, why don't it's a famous? It's a famous Greek name. I cannot remember why. All right, let me look that up. But yeah. uh, so wait, wait, tricky. We get what so a pickaxe and a backpack. You get the backpack, the glider, and uh, the pickaxe. In this case, you son of a bitch. What? I'm in. <laughs> that was that was a lot of fucking effort there. I felt like abandoning that joke because I wanted to do that joke, but then I was like, God damn it, tricky's taking too long. I might as well abandon this now. <laughs> But it's stuck to my guns. Abort! Abort! Um, but yes. Uh, and you also get a custom Kratos emote. So. Mm. And I like that. For 15 bucks. That, 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 that's crazy. That, that's just, no. 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 What, what if I, no. what if I told you, Yield, that you get the Mandalorian in Fortnite with the season pass and your backpack trophy is Baby Yoda? No, and it's not Baby Yoda. It's Grogu. Get it right. Now, now, see, here's the thing. Like, see, I wonder if, if we call him the I child now, if Yield will correct you us. It's, like, it's not the child, yet? it's Grogu. I, I haven't... Yeah, it's not, it's not the... Yeah, well, it's not even Baby Yoda. It's the child. Then after the child, it's Grogu. Well, I didn't know that because I hadn't started season two yet. 
So why not? We're almost done. Because I was waiting until the season was done so I could binge watch it. Uh, tricky. Uh, I just want to, uh, one of the things you asked about the talking heads name, Mamir. Uh, this is from the God of War wiki page. Mamir, also known as the smartest man alive and nicknamed by Kratos' head, is the Norse god. I said Greek, I'm a fucking idiot. Uh, it's a Norse god of knowledge and wisdom and an ally of Kratos and Atreus. He was Odin's advisor and ambassador of the Asir gods until Odin imprisoned him 109 years ago. He is the protagonist of God of War. I guess the third in line protagonist. What the fuck is that? I don't know. All right, let's let's keep going because we're getting a little long winded here. Scar- yes, we need to get. This was supposed to be a quick three topics. Well, again, I didn't think Alex was going to be talking about all these games. Scar- well, I'm Nexus- not talking. I'm just making comments. I no no no. I get you. Why you- did I watch all these fucking trailers if I'm not going to say something? Give some kind of feedback. Listen, I'm not hating on you. I'm just saying I didn't expect you to say so much about every you know, certain things. Scarlet Nexus uh, has a release date, a release window. It is coming to uh, in the summer of 2021. Just cause it is coming to mobile. Why? I don't know. I cannot think oh, of a game I would no, re- I no, less no. like it's to play on a mobile cause. device than Just Cause. Uh, we got our first look at Ruin King, a Le- League of Legends story. Uh, it is coming in 2021. And, and finally, and Mass Effect has a new teaser trailer. Uh, as the article says, it's confirmed the Mass Effect series will continue, and it looks maybe Yara to Sony plays a role in the next sci-fi adventure. We patiently await more information. Uh, and the trailer just basically said Mass Effect will continue. All right, so <clears throat> we got through all that. Now the next part of this is the winners. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to go through all of the uh, awards, and I'm also gonna, not going to mention the nominees. I'm just going to pick the ones that I think we uh, might have a little bit of comments on to talk about. So, uh, so when you're talking about esports and content creators, we don't give a fuck. We're not. Well, the content creator, uh, I, I thought was not. Uh, I thought Valkyrie should not have won. I thought that should have been Tim the Tatman because he had that story with Fall Guys, and even ESPN made a documentary about it. Uh, that's the only one I disagree with that for we're, we're gonna talk about that uh, best multiplayer game was among us best sports game was Tony Hawk's Pro. never played it Tony Hawk's pro skater one and two your best sim game was Microsoft Microsoft flight simulator which apparently is coming to the Xbox best family game Animal Crossing New Horizons called best, it best fighting game was Mortal Kombat 11 ultimate which there really was no competition best RPG was Final Fantasy 7 remake Best action, best action adventure game was The Last of Us Part Two. Best action game is Hades. I still don't know what the difference between action game and action adventure game is. Uh, but I guess, I guess action adventure is like Zelda. It gives you far more room to explore, whereas Hades is maybe a little bit more focused. Uh, but, I mean, we did call that if Hades was going to get some love, it was probably going to be from this action game category, which it did. Innovation and accessibility with The Last of Us Part Two. I absolutely agree with that. Uh, they went above and beyond accessibility. I mean, I think that's what we all... I think you, me, and Steven all said that that was probably going to win. Yeah. Best VR game was Half-Life Alex. Best community support was Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout. Uh, best debut go- debut game is Phasophobia. Best Which game- I think... That was the category where Steven was really talking up Raji quite a bit. And he, that was, I think, the game where he said Phasmophobia is a really fun game. And he really liked it. That Raji was the, the one that he wanted to win that category. 
Uh, your best indie game was Hades. Your best ongoing game, which is surprising to me, was No Man's Sky. You know, have you even played No Man's Sky in like the last year? Sorry, I'm watching the art trailer. What was that now? Best ongoing game was No Man's Sky. I know you have No Man's Sky. Have you played it lately? No, I haven't gone back to it. I'm working on other games, and I plan on going back because everybody said it got where it was supposed to be at launch day. Okay, and uh, let's just drop in. What's your opinion of the art trailer so far? Well, I like it, but, I mean, it's not any gameplay. It's all CG. So, right. I mean, so, I mean, unless you've played Ark, I mean, for me, I'm just like, wow, that looks cool, but until I see gameplay. All right. Anybody can make anybody can make a CG trailer look cool. All right, moving on with the awards. Best performance was Laura Bailey for Abby, The Last of Us Part Two. Alex, I think me and you can agree that pretty much uh, she deserved that award. I mean, I, I said that I would go with Ellie. Stephen said uh, Abby or Laura Bailey with Abby, and I you know his reasoning was very good. I mean, I, I even said it that I think that you could give it jointly to Abby and to Ellie the performances of those two characters, and it would be, you know, I would totally go for that. But, I, yeah, Laura Bailey definitely deserved it. And just beyond, like, not even con considering what she went through in regards to the story and how that played out and people attacking her on Twitter. I mean, she gave a great performance. I I don't know. I mean, you know, Steven gave his reasoning last week and, and – or not last week, the week before. Got to keep getting lost in time. Just say like last show. I mean, that like, – Laura Bailey had a really tough role to play there because – Obviously, you had feelings about the character, very strong negative feelings about the character before you, you know, Even before a certain part of the story. Sorry, I, I don't want to get into spoilers. Right. I'm trying to, you know, tiptoe the line here. But, I mean, point is, Laura Bailey, you know, put in a great performance and, you know, had, like, worked behind the eight ball, essentially, in regards to her character. So, uh, I definitely think she deserves kudos for the performance. All right, moving on. Best audio design was The Last of Us Part Two. Best score of music was Final Fantasy VII Remake. Best art direction, uh, Alex is happy about this, Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, damn right. Give Ghost of Tsushima some fucking love. Uh, best narrative was The Last of Us Part Two. Best game direction was The Last of Us Part Two, And your game of the year was Last of Us Part Two. As if you weren't expecting that, given the other, what, like eight awards that the game won. Well, I, I, I thought it was funny that um, the the... The, the lady that was doing the pre-show, I can't think of her name, uh, she said that basically for the last four years, the, the game that won Best Action Adventure Game was the one-to-one -one game of the year at the, at the end of the night. So she kind of like told everybody exactly what was going to happen. Um, okay, so all that led to this third topic here. Because um, I think, well, Yield, you kind of booed when I said The Last of Us won Game of the Year, but you haven't played it yet, so why are you booing? Because I can't. Because you can't what? No, I said because I can't. Okay. I like Ghost of Tsushima. But you... And Last of Us... And, and most games, the one that came out the last is the one that's Game of the Year. And I wasn't that hyped for The Last of Us 2. I think... As you can tell, as you can tell because I didn't go buy it day one. I, I think once you play it, then... I, I, I can't even say that I think you'll like it best, better than Ghost of Tsushima because Alex didn't, but I I, I think uh, The Last of Us definitely earned that award. Well, I'm not saying it didn't. I just said boo. Okay. I just 
So just being a hater. Right, so moving on here, because uh, I don't know how long this conversation is going to take. But coming from Kutaku and an article written by Ian Walker, uh, the headline reads, Games made under crunch conditions don't deserve, quote, best direction awards. Now, I don't want to read this whole thing, but... Okay, and and why? Why what? You don't, why do I want to read it, or why don't he... No, 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 no. Why does he say that games... Because it's an opinion article. Right. So at this point, he needs to give his opinion as to why he believes that games under crunch should not be considered as best direction. All right, so let me read Because I just feel he's salty at this point. That, well, that's what I thought too, but I mean, he does have some solid points in this. Uh, again, this is from Kotaku and is written by Ian Walker. Uh, his article reads, Last night, The Last of Us walked away with the Game Awards with seven trophies, including Game of the Year, Best Narrative, Best Audio Design, Best Performance by at Laura Bailey Azabi, Innovation and Accessibility, and Best Action Adventure Game. Arguments can be made as to whether they deserve those or not, but I think it's pretty obvious that no game that required its developers to crunch, like The Last of Us Part Two did, should be given the Best Direction Award, which The Last, uh, Last of Us Part Two somehow also won. According to the Game Awards website, Best Direction Award is given for, quote, outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design, end quote. This description makes it clear that the responsibility of winning or losing this award rests squarely on the shoulders of the people in charge of lead and development. In this case, The Last of Us Part II, which we director and Naughty Dog co-president Neil Druckmann, who is often credited as the auteur behind the game's successes. It's no secret that Naughty Dog subjected its workers to unbelievable levels of crunch to get The Last of Us Part II out the door, but that's hardly innovation when it comes to Naughty Dog or game development in general. Over the years, the studio has constant employee turnover as developers crunch on games like The Last of Us and Uncharted, burn out, and throw in the towel. Relentless overtime, missed weekends, long stretches of time without seeing your family, these things take a toll on even the most passionate artist. Quote, this can't be something that's continuing over and over for each game because it's unsustainable. Uh, end quote. One of the last part developer told Kotaku earlier this year. Quote, at a certain point, you realize, I can't keep doing this. I'm getting older. I can't stay and work all night. End quote. Uh, goes on to say, let's be clear. The existence of Crunch indicates a failure in leadership. It's up to the game directors and producers to ensure workloads are being managed properly and goals are being met. If workers are forced to crunch uh, explicitly or otherwise, it means that the managers themselves have fallen short somewhere, either in straining the limits of their existing staff Fostering an environment where overtime is implied, if unspoken, requirement, or both. As ambitious as The Last of Us Part Two director Neil Druckmann and his projects may be, quote, questionable experiments in the realm of pushing human limits, end quote, are not required to make a good game. Uh, and this is the last article I'm going to read here. Hades, and tactically those directing his development as Supergiant, was up for the Best Direction Award last night, too. It's a great game, just not as, just as good as The Last of Us Part Two, and arguably better in some ways. Why it didn't win Game of the Year is a subjective decision. I'm not interested in right now, but Hades deserved to win for Best Direction, at least more so than The Last of Us Part Two, thanks to the studio's meaningful avoidance of crunch culture across its various projects. Okay, so what was... So after you read all that, what was He's ba- the... He's basically the, saying no, no, the, 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 go ahead. the category headline for for best direction. What's what, a, what, what? How did the web? How did the website describe best direction? They said outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design. 
That's the that's okay. That's the description of the best direction award. Okay. From 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 just from hearing you say that, then Crunch has absolutely nothing to do with that. In in my opinion, from what I'm hearing. Okay. Because it's best vision, right? So it's the vision of the game. It has nothing to do with the crunch of of um, everybody else. Now, he has a valid point with, you know, if you have the crunch to get the game done, that's really not a good direction. So in that sense, just do away with that topic. Because really, that has, to me, that's... If that's a topic that you want to do, then that needs something done by the industry, not done because the game awards is more fans, right? Well, no, it's it's fifty uh, percent fans, fifty percent media. Okay, see that needs to not be in a fan vote. That needs to be in a industry vote. Okay, or you just take it out altogether. I, I don't ent- I, I see his complaint, but the description of the award and to me it doesn't entirely go with crunch. All right, Alex, you want to weigh in here? So I mean, crunch is I, I feel you know, as we talked about before, it's kind of become a necessary evil in the game industry or like really has it is it is it necessary because I think that the point that the article was getting at is that if things had been managed a little bit better along the way and you know like oversight of the project realistic visions the donation like the the like the doling out of assets the asset allocation if any you know if there had just been better management along the way would the game need to have been delayed or go into crunch i mean sometimes technical shit happens and yes a game needs to be pushed back but i think the point that Maybe the reason we have crunch is because the people who lead these teams aren't doing a good job of their jobs. Is something is a question that needs to be asked. Like, is are, is there mismanagement within the game industry, and and is it just like not every game that has to go into crunch is going to suffer from that? Because some of them are just like humongous projects. Well, they're all humongous projects, but I'm sure that in every case of crunch, it's not always necessary. Probably because along the way there were just bad decisions made, or there wasn't enough oversight. Or just management of the team was just pa- really bad. So I, I think that I don't think you can exclude every game that just goes into crunch. But if there is, you know, I also don't think you can reward games where management overall is just really poor. Like it, I, I don't think- know. In in some way, like saying that hey, you know, we're not going to give awards to these teams that work on these games that go into crunch. It's kind of like also. Well, you're also not recognizing the team because if those teams had to go into crunch and then it's like, hey, you're not getting this award because that team's like, well, we still worked on the award on the game and we still worked really hard. Shouldn't we get credit or some kind of award for this game? Well, I don't know. If, if we're going to sit here and examine crunch and, you know, look at issues with management within the games industry, I don't think it should be done at the level of an award show. Well, I, I and I agree with you here because... Uh, it's also worth noting that every time we hear about a game being delayed or, you know, a, a studio's going in a crunch, we never hear, and nor I think it's, you know, anybody's responsibility to tell us of why it happened other than, hey, we need to, 
you know, we need to go along with the game. We're never told, oh, it's because our game director fucked up. Or these people weren't doing their job. Or this person left. Or this person, you know, had a family emergency. Like, game, game delays are an inevitable pro, uh, part of the process. Crunch is always part of the process. And we've had the conversation on Crunch on this show. Like, all three of us and, you know, various other hosts of the show, we've all had a situation at work where, um, you know, Alex is doing his job and then all of a sudden a truck comes in maybe two hours late, but he still has to get everything off that truck before the end of a shift because his, his, his boss is not willing to pay him overtime for that day. So, yeah, he has to crunch for, you know, all those times. Yield, I'm sure you've run into situations at your job where, you know... Mandatory overtime. Right. My job, yep. like, we're going... Right now, as I'm sitting here, we're being told that there's a potential snowstorm coming on Tuesday. So as you're listening to the show, you know, my... What was scheduled to be an eight-hour day, and Tuesday is my day off, I may be at work, working a 12, you know, 13, 14-hour shift. Shit happens. You know, and yeah. when, I, when I first read this article... And I first read this headline. I did feel like this guy was just being salty because The Last of Us Two won um, Game of the Year, and he's just and he's looking for a reason to bitch about the game. Uh, but he does, you know, he realized that arguing saying that it didn't own Game of the Year wasn't spicy enough, so he chose something else. I get what he's saying that if if it's a clear failure in direction, the game should not win Best Game Direction. I get that. I, the whole time I read this article, and I, like I said, go back and read the article. It's on Kotaku. I just felt like this guy was fucking nitpicking the entire way through. And uh, he has a point somewhat, but he's it's all opinions. There's no fact to say Neil Druckmann fucked up on the responsibility, you know, of the other two directors, which I don't remember their names. There's Nobody ever said that they fucked up, and that's why the game was delayed. Or that's why the game had to go into crunch. I honestly I blame Crunch on gamers like us who have expectations for the games. I mean, we didn't talk about this week, but how many people are bitching about the way Cyberpunk's running right now? And that game went through Crunch. Yeah, I Oh, I, I, oh, I, we I, got I hear, Okay, I well hear they're it's having issues. Oh, well, hold it's... on, here there is an article that Ashley found that she sent to me from IGN.com by Adam Bankhurst in which she talk about how uh uh, and I'm going to read from the article. Certain Cyberpunk 2077 players on Expo- on PlayStation, Xbox, and Steam are seemingly getting refunds after complaining about the game's performance. Uh, as reported by VGC, uh, Redditor, ben, Redditor not been underscore 2 issued a PSA to those who are also experiencing issues when playing Cyberpunk 2077, especially on base PlayStation 4 and Xbox One units. Sony's policy on refunds for PlayStation Store purchases allow you to request one within the first 10 days. However, if you started to download the game, you will not be eligible for a refund unless you... Uh, the content is faulty. Uh, despite that, not been too did receive a refund even after playing for ten hours of Cyberpunk. For further context, he did not mention that he deleted the entire. He did mention that he deleted the entire game, game data, save data, etc. Off his PlayStation Four, requesting the refund in a calm, professional manner. So, I mean, apparently Sony is giving out refunds for Cyberpunk, its performance. And we had talked about this before, and I can't remember who had said it. Uh, maybe it was Steven or you know one of our other guests, but or maybe it was Tricky. That part of the issue for Cyberpunk was that they were having trouble getting trouble running on the PlayStation Four. Yeah, that that's what I heard is that they uh, they had the all the new gen versions were running just fine, but it was the uh, 
the PlayStation 4 Pro, excuse me, the PlayStation 4 Base and the Xbox One were having the problems. The X and so, the So, I mean, Pro... like, people are getting refunds for that. So, I mean, like, and if, if Sony is giving out refunds for this, then clearly there is an issue with Cyberpunk on the PlayStation 4. Well, obviously. Uh, that, and, I, and I was going to say that. they article, need to fix. I, I was going to say that article for next week because I kind of wanted uh, uh, Cyberpunk literally just came out three days ago as of this recording, so I wanted to give it some time. For things to boil down and you know get rid of the internet rage of everybody's well we can we can touch back later yeah uh but yeah but the point i was making is that games go through crunch and you know cg cd project red got a lot of shit when they said that they were gonna make uh their people crunch and you know they issued a statement earlier in development that we would never make our developers crunch then it came out that oh well they, they volunteered to do the crunch to get the game out to the market for you guys. Now the game's out in the market, and people are still bitching about how fucking broken the game is. Okay, well, if you, I, gotta, they, I mean, if the game is faulty, then yes, the, the consumers have every reason to bitch. Yes. Because um, so, you, you were sold an inferior product. What what I'm hearing is the problem with, C, or for, with Cyberpunk. Now, don't take this for gospel, but what I'm hearing is the problem is... Is that as they were developing uh, Cyberpunk, uh, mid-development, they switched to the PlayStation 5 and the Series X versions of the game. And now the versions that you're playing now are, are looking, are constantly looking for memory to run the game better, but the older systems don't have that memory, so they never find that memory, causing the games to crash and glitch out. So they need a patch to fix that. That's... Yeah, or as I said uh, somewhere else, I don't remember where I said it, or just delay the game and say that the version that you that they have is not compatible with the older gen systems. Yes, Re- you can release the five version, you can release the ones it's working on, but, but your version unfortunately is not ready. Right, but they that it's also pointed out Cyberpunk uh, does not have PlayStation Five or Series S or X versions of the game out. Those were delayed. They released the PlayStation 4 versions and the Xbox One versions that on those systems are running shitty, but running on a Series S or X or a PlayStation 5 are running just fine. Well, that's just messed up. Right. So uh, I, I've got a buddy who, who got the game day one, and I text him over the weekend when I was hearing that the game was having issues. And I asked him how it was going for him. And he said he was a couple hours in and has run into a couple of graphical issues, but nothing that was really working with the story as of yet. Now, uh, but let's get, let's get back to uh, this article here because I don't, I don't want to go down the cyberpunk trail yet until we get a little bit more information because I think right now it's just the initial rage of everybody not being able to play their most anticipated game. Uh Let's get back to the article. I mean, I think we're all in agreement that the the the, the author of the article has a point, but is he nitpicking just a little bit too much? Again, I think yes. that they this is not uh, something that like if, if we're gonna have a, a serious discussion about mismanagement in the games industry, uh, especially That's like a it, whole other conversation. <laughs> well, okay, but no, like. We're talking. They're basically the author is saying, "Hey, 
we shouldn't allow these games that go into crunch, which probably has something to do, like... Okay, so... Well, you, unless you can I'll, decipher I'll cut... some clear gross mismanagement, like, I don't see how you can cut games out of consideration because they went into crunch, because then again, you are disrespecting the people who worked on those games. You're saying, hey, we know you guys worked really hard, because, you know, maybe we think that the studio took advantage of you and your work, your work's not going to get credit or an award. All right, Alex, let me, let me cut you off a second. I, 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 the three of us, uh, I think we can all agree that pretty much every game at a AAA studio goes into some form of crunch at some point in development. I mean, is that a fair statement to make? I mean, I, I, I would assume so, but I, like, I'm not, I don't work at a AAA game studio, so. I mean, you know, that sounds like a fair statement, correct? I would say so, yes. So, basically, what this article is saying is that no AAA game developer should ever win Best Game Direction ever again, because at some point, every game has to go in some form of crunch. That's basically what this article is saying, is, is the point I'm trying to make. I mean, so, I, I don't think... I understand and respect the fact that the author is trying to, you know, in a way fight for, you know, developers guy. and the rights of developers and, and their their time, you know, because time is very important, but, you know, so that they're not sitting there having to work these long-ass hours for days or weeks to make sure a game gets out. But I also think that you can't, you know, you can't decipher why every game goes into crunch, so... I don't think you can just say your game is not eligible for this award or this category simply because because then it's like, you know, best best direction. Um, then do you even consider taking because it was under the conditions of crunch or you think that they didn't treat their employees that well, do you take it out of other categories too? Because you don't like the way that you think management handled things. I don't think you can take games that went under crunch out of consideration for something like a best direction category because you can't always decipher why they went into crunch or, you know, for what reason. Time to check my social media, yeah. uh, okay, so as my page is coming up, we have some uh, Facebook questions. Mr. Joseph Priestley from... The Game Stuff Podcast says, Is it acceptable for next-gen games to crash as much as they do? Alex, you replied by saying to any yeah. game in particular. Joe well, said, I mean, I... Oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I thought you were asking me to answer. Uh, Joe said, nope. And then he says, His PlayStation 4 crashes too much after the new interface update as well. Alex, you replied by saying, saying you haven't had that issue yourself. Yield, I cut you off. Please uh, respond to this first. I've had... Uh, a game crash here and there. Um, nothing that I would uh, um, explain as being the update. I had a Just Cause 3 crash on me earlier this evening. Um, some games I don't think that it should crash on because it's hard to believe that a uh, some smaller games that would be drawing that much that it crashes... Um, sometimes when I've had a system crash, there was like a big, there was a lot going on on the screen, you know, a big explosion and there was a big fight going on and it kind of froze and then it, it threw up on itself. So I just kind of figured, oh, it, it was a game hiccup, but I do kind of, uh, uh, to answer his question straight up. No, 
I don't think that we should be having the crashes that we have with the systems that we got. I, I understand that they're are trying to get the most out of said systems, but we should know our limits so that it doesn't crash because that kind of kills your experience with the game because now you have to load back in and depending on what kind of a save feature it has and where it crashed, you may have to go back through an hour or so of gameplay and it, it if it, it doesn't erase or corrupt game. your game data it, that, yeah that's yeah, also if, a possibility yeah yeah and if it doesn't do that see I've been lucky I've never knock on wood I've never had that happen but I mean no we shouldn't be having that all right uh Alex I I you know I I can't can't not remember the last time my PlayStation 4 crashed and um I'm not trying to say that, you know, this is a thing that, that happens. It's just personally, like, I, I don't have that experience. And, you know, Joe mentioned the new the, the latest update, which I have update, uploaded or uh, downloaded and installed on my PlayStation 4. I don't have any issues. As far as next gen, I, I don't have a PlayStation 5 yet, so Tricky can speak to that more than I do. But, I mean, if you spend, you know, there's going to be some hiccups with a new release console. But I, I think that if you do have people spending as much money as people buy on consoles that you need to make sure i mean you got to make sure they work as good as possible so to have you know issue a lot of issues with crashing you know if it happens every once in a while that's kind of expected um or understandable but if it's happening more frequently or kind of often then i mean that absolutely shouldn't be happening uh yeah joe I, I, as far as i know you don't have a playstation 5 so i think you just uh responding to uh uh, things you're seeing on the internet, people saying things, uh, and I'm, I'm not trying to knock you. I'm just saying, I personally have not had problems with games crashing on my PlayStation Five. Again, I might just be an anomaly. You know, it could be happening to other people. I'm just not seeing it. I haven't experienced it. Should next gen games crash as much as they do? It, it, to me, it's it's a yes and a no because no game should never crash as much as they do. But also, we have new technology. People are still trying to figure things out. People are trying to work the kinks out. I mean, with that being said, that could be an argument to say, well, then just delay the consoles, blah, blah, blah. But I think with any technology, any uh, any kind of uh, hardware, you're always going to have problems with the first set. And you have to just accept that as part of the process. Uh, the next question comes Wow, from Tricky just told you to deal with it, Joe. Uh... The next question comes from Frosty, and he says, How dare you? I expected one of you guys to go. I dare, sir. <laughs> I expected one of you guys to be a little quicker with that. <laughs> uh, next question from Levi, uh, and has multiple replies, so let me get through those. Levi says, Do you guys have any info on the Mass Effect games coming to the new gen? Is this EA's heavy hitters making the new series and remaster of the old series? Or is it the B-listers that made Andromeda? Joseph Priestley says Bioware is making the game. Levi responded by saying they helped develop the first trilogy right. Joe replied by saying the first three games and the shitty fourth one. And Levi responded... Which was B Andromeda. Uh, and Levi responded by saying, then I've got the developers mixed up. So my question for the podcast is whether Bioware's A-team or B-team <laughs> is making the games. And Levi, I'm not sure if we have any way to know that. I, yeah, I was gonna say there's no way for us to know that. 
Unless, like, they specifically mention, like, on the credits roll, if we could recognize names from, you know, the credits roll from the previous Mass Effect trilogy, then we could. But uh, I don't know if they're... I mean, they're not going to tell us how or who they're allocating that that project to, you know, within a studio like Bioware. What I will tell you is that uh, Casey Hudson and Mark Dara, D-A-R-R-A-H, um, they have both recently left Bioware. Uh, so that is something to that, but that's as much as we know about who's developing. We just know those two are definitely not developing the new game. Well, and Ashley had mentioned to me, because I mentioned when I was watching the the Dragon Age trailer, the new Dragon Age trailer for Dragon Age 4, uh, she had mentioned that, because, you know, she likes games like that, she had mentioned that she, uh, that some developers had left Bioware from that, um, those projects previously. So, yes. I mean, it, I, I think that, you know, I mean, that, that that's normal. People leave studios and stuff like that. But, um, you know, a case of more and more people leaving Bioware is if, you know, if, if for some reason you saw a direction, a direction or a turn in a game series that you didn't really like, uh, that really can't mean too great, too many great things. I mean, Amy Hennig left Naughty Dog and, you know, Uncharted is still pretty damn strong. So, or, you know, when we last left uh, the fourth one, it, it ended pretty strongly, even though she wasn't attached to that one. So, um, doesn't always mean bad things, but it seems like, you know, there have been quite a number of people who worked previously worked on Dragon Age or who previously worked on Mass Effect that have since left the studio. And Mass Effect, you know, that's going to happen because Mass Effect was, you know, early 2000s. Yeah, was I it early 2000s? So. I believe so. I'm looking up right now. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, or mid-2000s, because... It would have been on the PlayStation 3, and I'm trying to think of when the, the, the 2 came out. Mass Effect came out in 07. Okay, so like kind of like the mid to late aughts. And their last game was Andromeda, which came out in March 21st of 17. So three years ago. All right. Yeah. It, as, as Joe referred to it as the shitty one. But yeah, I mean... We have really no way of knowing what team is working on it inside of Bioware, because I'm sure that Bioware has hundreds and hundreds of employees. But it seems like some of the main players have left Bioware, so, you know, who knows? All right, Yield, do you have anything to say on this? Nope. Be sure to follow us on all of our social media feeds. Just look for Proving Gamer on Twitter and Facebook. Be sure to also join the Trophy Horse Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash TW podcast in the group is where you can ask questions for us to answer on the show. You can also send us an email via the Troy Memorial email. That address is trophy horse at proving gamer.com. Or if you would rather leave us a voicemail, you can call us at three, three Oh proven nine. That's three, three Oh seven, seven, six, eight, three, six, nine. You can watch our videos on YouTube by doing a search for official proving gamer you can also catch us streaming at twitch.tv backslash Proven Gamer. And you can catch Tricky streaming for Extra Life every Sunday from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv backslash Extra Life for Kids. Remember, that's the number four, not the word. All right, let's close out the show. Still talking about Tricky's Extra Life streams. Yeah, I, I, I have a fix in the works. I just haven't had time to do it yet. Uh, let's close out the show with some shout-outs. Alex, we'll start with you, sir. 
Give a shout-out to the listeners, the fans, the fuel to the fire of this trophy horse. Thank you all for continuing to listen and push this show to even greater heights. Uh, without you all, we would not be continuing to expand our influence and find ourselves on more and more platforms. So we do thank you for uh, devoting some of your time to us every single week. Thank you for, let us, for letting us be part of your life and your week. Shout-out to Tricky and to Yield for uh, recording with me tonight, late on this uh, this Sunday night. And last but not least... Uh, Give a oh! I want to give a shout out to to Naughty Dog and to um, Sucker Punch who represented Sony well at the Game Awards with Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us Part Two. Um, played both games, enjoyed both games. Like I said, I thought I, I enjoyed Ghost more, but uh, I mean that's my personal game of the year. But obviously, The Last of Us Part Two definitely deserved to win the honors. So um, Sony again, great representation there at the Game Awards. Uh, last but not least, I want to give a awesome gr- or a shout out to my awesome, loving girlfriend Ashley. Uh, tomorrow is actually my birthday, and Ashley woke up today early to go to the store and get some food to cook my a nice brunch uh, here in Kentucky. Re- more recently, uh, the orders have actually been lifted now. But we've been restricted from in per- from in person dining at restaurants. They've most more recently they've just now recently opened back up. But uh, since we weren't really able to go out and do brunch today, the day before my birthday, uh, Ashley made me brunch at home, including a very delicious Bloody Mary and some grits, which she, you know, had never made before. So I just want to give a shout out to uh, uh, my girlfriend, Ashley, for uh, an awesome brunch. Thank you, honey. I love you. Yield. Hey, shout out to you, all the pimps and the madams of the whoredom for interacting, downloading the show, spreading everything that is Trophy Horse and Proving Gamer. Shout out to Tricky and Alex for recording this evening. A shout out to all of you who wished me happy birthday on Twitter and on Facebook. I did. Uh, no, you didn't. Alex I did. The site did. So Alex did, and I'm kind of offended by that, just a little. But, wait, wait, wait. Um, oh, 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 you're offended that I didn't wish you happy birthday? No, that, that the site didn't. Because last year you did. Um, but not really. I'm just busting your balls. Uh, a shout out to. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. Okay. Wow. I need to bust his balls more often. He loses. His no, I'm trying. I'm trying to figure uh, out what you out. meant by the site didn't wish you happy birthday. I'm like, what are you talking about? Let, 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 last year. Okay. Out on, uh, I believe it was Twitter. It, it a message was sent out saying to wish I yield to no one a happy birthday. And that didn't happen this year. So our social media person, oh, you, okay, okay, gotcha. Our social pe- media the, person, you mean tricky? Yeah, drop the ball. Anyway, uh, a shout out to my wife who who hooked me up on my birthday. I got a. Not only did I get lasagna, but I got a Reese Friendlies Reese cup ice cream cake. So, booyah. If it wasn't for this cold I've been fighting, it would have been perfect. But it's as perfect as it can get when you're fighting a sinus cold. Um, uh, shout out to those who watch our uh, Twitch streams for Rocket League Thursday and offer advice on us on how to get better. That is appreciated. Uh, shout out to Alex, who is celebrating his birthday tomorrow. And... Peace out. 70. I'm done. Uh, yeah, shout out to Alex, who's turning to 70 tomorrow. I'm a very dapper, don't, young 70. Yes. Don't be hating. Uh, don't hate, participate. 
Uh, shout out to that's right. Shout out to the goddess who is sending me messages for me to shut up and end the show so we can so she can start cooking dinner, uh, which is good news to. Man, yield. she hasn't cooked. She hasn't cooked you dinner yet. Or you haven't let her cook you dinner yet? It's 9 o'clock. What are you doing, man? Well, traditionally on Sundays when we record, she uh, normally feeds Sweet Mama D, uh, and then she waits until I'm done so we can actually sit down and have a meal together. Well, that's very sweet, and and I don't know where else I was going with this, but you need to hurry up. It's 9 o'clock. Well, that woman's I, starving. Um, shout out to Sweet Mama D, who... Uh, I introduced her to the world of A.W. Root Beer Floats. And her life is transformed oh. now. Her mind probably blew. She had... I asked her, I said, do you ever have a Root Beer Float? She goes, I don't know what that is. So I made her a Root Beer Float. And you have to do it with vanilla ice cream and A.W. Root Beer. You cannot use any other Root Beer. Please, God, please stop making internet <laughs> no, videos. No mug Root Beer? No Barks Root Beer? Fuck. Well, yeah, I was going to say, no mug, no Barks. No. What about, it has what, to be, what about Barks Red Cream? It has, a Red Cream Root Beer Float. It or has red cream to float be. Right. It has to be A.W. Classic Root Beer. It cannot be anything else. If you, No. Don't. Don't. Listen, if I will die no, on this hill. Go, no, wait. I'm willing to accept no, your you freaking peanut butter and waffles and pancakes nonsense, but I will not accept somebody substituting A and W root beer. It's not happening. When Listen, I if you're if you're a purist, you are absolutely one hundred percent right. But if you have barks or mug, that is acceptable. No, first of all, That's mugs. All I'm saying on it. No, no, mugs. Let, let's let's just knock this out right, to, right now. Mugs is shit. Mugs is a little flat. Mugs, no, mugs is absolute dog shit root beer. Nobody should ever oh. drink that. You, the best thing you can do with a mugs root beer is pour it down the fucking sink or the toilet. Barks, very good root beer. Love it. Probably my favorite root Barks beer. Barks has bite. Bar- so Barks. wait, you're you're like it's your favorite root beer, but you're not gonna put it in a root beer float? No. Because an A&W root beer float is the only way to make a root beer float. You cannot use bars on a, on a, on a, on a root beer float. There, there is something about the creaminess of A&W that does make it better. I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I, I'm not saying he's wrong. I, I love Barks root beer. It's probably my favorite root beer of all time, but you cannot use it to make a root beer float. There's something How do you about feel A&W. about Big Red root beer or Big, big Red float? Never even heard of a big red float. What the hell is a big red float? It's it's big big red is red cream soda. It's like bark. You, red it's like soda. you just put Wait. ice cream in any soda. That's a float. Oh, geez. I, you know what? That's true. I, I you, you know I can debate this for a second. I'm going to use a bathroom. Float. Boy, that no, that root beer float show. really runs through him. The goddess wants to cook supper. I want to go play some video games before I take medicine and pass out for the night. Are you taking some antihistamines? Is that where you're going to pass out? Oh, I've been living... Well, except for today, I've been living on NyQuil and DayQuil since last Sunday. It got really bad Thursday night into Friday morning. And then I'm feeling better. I'm not as stuffed up, but I still feel chilled at times. And a couple of times you just don't feel quite right. And this cold has lasted way longer than it needed to. I want you guys to know that I just ran to the bathroom real quick, came back, and as I was running by, I, I saw the goddess laughing hysterically at us, arguing about this. 
Well, yeah, wouldn't you laugh hysterically if you could overhear these dumbass conversations we have and not be a part of them? Shout out to the listeners. Uh, listeners, go make your root beer full. It's right. Uh, and if there's nothing With else... Tricky's favorite, Bark's root beer. Wait, if how do you feel about Bark's else, cream soda, Tricky? Until next soda. week, happy trophy hunting. Bark's cream soda is delicious. You gonna play that music? is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines.